Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today? Well, we've got the big guy in the studio today, uh, Todd Wagner is with us. And so, Todd, let me just throw you a softball and you just hit this wherever you want. Um, Every time we hop on social media, there's some other celebrity pastor who's fallen. And so what's your thoughts on that? How do do we get there? How do we get there? keep this from happening? Uh, what do you do in your own life just to uh, make sure it doesn't happen to you? So. Yeah, man, great questions. Let me just start by just saying even the term celebrity pastor is one that I don't know if we want to spend any time on at all, but that that's an uncomfortable term. It's, it's an oxymoron that those two things go together, right? I mean, Paul says in, uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, he said, if anyone regards me, let it be as a servant of Christ and a steward of the mystery of God. Now, there's some men I think of their renown and the way that they serve uh, increases their renown in such a way that maybe is okay, but typically it's not because of the way they serve. It's because of some gift they have or some platform that they've built or in some cases have been given to them. But um, so without getting too much into the celebrity pastor idea, one of the things I would just say is whenever you hear about somebody that falls today, it's a lot like um, people hearing a lot about the earthquakes and the uh, problems that are happening around the world today. Hey, they've always been happening. Right, men have been falling ever since um, that Peter walked the earth with Jesus, and uh, it really isn't anything new. And so, what happens though is because of uh, the twenty-four hour news cycle, because of social media, because we're a lot more in touch with what's happening out there. It does seem like it's happening a whole lot more. And so, I would just encourage people not to think that maybe today there's an epidemic of it that hasn't always been around. There's always been men that have failed Christ. That's what. Jesus said in John 2, is that uh, he knew the hearts of men, that he wasn't going to entrust himself really to anybody. And we shouldn't either. We shouldn't make too big a deal about any one person representing the faith except Jesus, right? And that's what I would tell people is that, um, you know, when, whenever I, I walk into a room where someone's struggling because somebody they love has, has betrayed the faith, I just say, hey, I'm here to tell you and just comfort you, your leader has not failed you, right? Your pastor, the, the head of the church, is still faithful. His name is Jesus. Now, men are, are going to always fail you at some level in some way. And there's a bit of idolatry in, uh, that, that's exposed and a cleansing that's maybe a little bit helpful when we see somebody fall. But, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 tells me what I should do when I see somebody that falls. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest, uh, he, well, so that he doesn't fall is what it says. And so I, it's just a constant reminder of my own mortality, my own unfaithfulness and frailty. And that little statement that we all say right there, but by the grace of God, go I, I, I don't want that ever to be a, a, a statement or a quip. I want to really believe in that. And, uh, I think you guys have heard me say when we've been in similar rooms like this together, that I don't ever want to say, I will not fail you, right? I do want to say, I will to not fail you. And therefore, I know there's some things that I've got to do day by day. I mean, you know, when Jesus gave the model prayer and his disciples said, teach us to pray, one of the things that he put in, not the magic prayer, the Lord's prayer is not a magic prayer, it's a model prayer. He said, pray this way or, you know, or pray like this, not pray these words, right? One of the things that he says you should build in every prayer is a begging that you would not be led in temptation, that you would be delivered from, literally the Greek says, the evil one, not just evil, 
right? Because we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the principalities, the world forces of darkness. And he wants to take our legs out. And so, uh, you know, Peter writes that there's a roaring lion uh, roaming about seeking whom he may devour. I mean, I believe that that's true, that um, the enemy hates anybody that loves Jesus and loves the church. Um, it's, you know, Forrest Gump teaches us that, right? When Forrest salutes Officer Dan or Lieutenant Dan, right? He says, hey, don't, don't salute me because the enemy loves to shoot at stripes and crosses. People who bring healing and hope to wounded soldiers and people who provide leadership and activate soldiers. And that's what pastors are. They wear stripes and they wear crosses. They bring healing and hope and they bring order and equipping to the troops. So if I was an enemy, I'd take dead aim at individuals that want to step up and lead. So I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm continually saddened because I believe a lot of these men, that's the last thing they ever wanted to do. Uh, you know, um, there was a study done um, a long time ago by my friend, I guess I call him a friend, but he's as much a mentor as anything. Howard Hendricks, who was a prophet, Dallas Seminary. Now they named a leadership center there, the Howard Hendricks Leadership Center. And he did a study a long time ago about men that have fallen to ministry and they found three characteristics, right? Uh, uh, the first one was, believe it or not, those guys all said um, that they never thought it would happen to them, that something happened in their life that they just did not, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, they did not remain on the alert, right? That's, that's what it says, be on the alert and stand firm in the faith, be strong, act like men uh, there in that verse. But that first one, be on the alert, man, you have an enemy who wants to devour you to cross-reference back to 1 Peter 5, verse 8. So uh, these guys somehow just got a little lazy and forgot that they were at war, okay? And um, because they forgot they were at war, they didn't put on the armor that God tells them to put on and uh, didn't maintain the faith. That's the second thing that we find out that they did. They got lazy in their own spiritual disciplines. They did not... Uh, shod their feet in the gospel and stand firm. They did not put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, they didn't put on the helmet of salvation daily, right? One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 101, where it starts, this is, I, I call it the King Psalm, I, I, as I helped my children think about it and memorize it. And that Psalm starts with, um, I will sing of your loving kindness and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. And, and just the idea that the way the king starts his day is to remind himself of the kindness of God, the covenant faithfulness of God, the righteousness and justice of God, and then sing praises, the goodness of God. Um, those guys stopped doing that. They stopped meditating uh, day and night on the word of God. They said, I got lazy in my spiritual disciplines. And so their heart was prone to wonder, uh, which I want to come back to before we wrap this up. But then the third thing, was is that those guys, it says in this study, uh, universally to a man began to spend time uh, in, uh, I guess, opposite sex counseling relationships that maybe even that compassion that God wants us to have for others was misplaced. And they, they, uh, they spent time with a person of the opposite sex, maybe in the name of Jesus initially, but that eventually those emotions got mingled and uh, they justified what they were doing and set themselves up as a person who didn't think that they would ever be unfaithful, who didn't think that their laziness in the spiritual disciplines um, would ever affect them. And you couple that with the toxicity or the potential to bond with another human uh, in just intimate counseling type settings got them a lot of times 
in real, real trouble. I, I um, One of the things that the Wagner family does, even though none of us can really sing, is I've been trying to bring back just some hymns to my kids, songs that they don't usually sing. And so I, I usually ask them to sing a hymn with me before I pray at family meals. And um, Sunday night, we're recording this on a Monday, but Sunday we were together and um, I pulled up, come thou fount of every blessing. And and what I, we, it was so funny because none of us really know the words to any of these anymore because we don't sing them every week. But uh, I, I, what I've started to do is just text everybody uh, the Google link to the lyrics of these um, different songs. And um, Is Alex playing the piano over yeah, there? Yeah, Alex plays the piano, exactly. No, <laughs> I, I will be honest with you. I, I have... Uh, I have had Alexa sing it for us, and we just kind of go along sometimes. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, I mean, I, I, I would, I would tell all you of that, those who just read the yeah. Textwise family or Textwise family yeah. are like their minds are blown right now yeah. because you just brought Alexa and a smartphone into your <laughs> into oh, your man. dining room yes. table. Exactly. Well, it was actually the kitchen before we go sit at the there table. There we go. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we, we we were sitting there, and um, as we started to think about what uh, that song said, I, I, we sang that one two verses because I wanted to get uh, to the third verse. And I talked about it with my kids before we moved on, where, where, where Robert Robinson, who wrote that song, there's a great line in there, that, that line that I think I always hold on to, where he, you know, it's prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love, that, that verse. There's a great story about Robert Robinson, that he was in a carriage riding with a woman. And she was as people in that day and age were prone to do, not look at their iPhones, they didn't have them. They were flipping through hymnals and reading them devotionally and often singing them as a way to evangelize other folks that were stuck in the carriage with them. And so Robert Robinson was in a carriage with a woman who started to sing, Come Thou Fount. And he started weeping. And the woman thought, hey, here's my opportunity. And said, dear man, do you not know the goodness of the words that I sing to you? And he said, oh yeah, I know him. I wrote him. And he had become that guy that had left the God he loved. He probably wrote that song knowing that it was true of him. Look, all of us are gonna fall if we don't do the things that Jesus says we should do to stay close. It shouldn't surprise us. The more useful you are to God, the more that the enemy's gonna come take a run at you. But um, I would just strengthen your heart and uh, remind yourself that, hey, your leader, your spiritual leader, if it's who it should be, will never fail you. Not only will he never lead you, uh, forsake you, as as Paul wrote to Timothy. He said he is faithful even when we are faithless. So I I really I try and be sensitive and empathize with people as they're grieving, but I don't want them to um, be too overwhelmed. I want them to be reminded of uh, the task before them to not repeat the sins that have broken their heart. So good. I'm glad we didn't interrupt you. Um, I was a part of a church split in college and I, I just watched it all go down. And I, you know, I wondered if I ever recovered and I did. And, and uh, it's become kind of a way of life now is to watch uh, leaders fall. But there was, there's something about the last, I don't know, it feels like 18 months, two years, you know, the people that I really, really respect have, uh, have fallen and it's messed with me a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, one night I remember, you know, reading one more um, person that I looked up to just kind of doing something stupid. And I just asked my wife just to go on a walk with me and just pray. And and just say, just remind me that that, that it, you can finish the race well. Um, that this it matters. That um, that it's possible to fight sin and not uh, let it all go to your head. And uh, it, 
you know, so it's just something I, I think you're right, Todd. It is something that has always been, uh, always been, but um, it is much more um, public now than it has been. I think it's probably a big part of it. Yeah. And I think some of our, we can, this is similar and uh, also a little bit different is the environment that creates these celebrity pastors, it, it really is a victim of some of these great advances in technology that you know, 25, 30 years ago, if there was a great preacher in a certain town, it was difficult to know about that because the internet wasn't around and uh, we didn't all have cell phones. And so everything was very localized uh, years ago. And now everything's becoming very global and it's somebody's really great. They start sharing it and things can take off. And so do you, do you believe the church has any responsibility in kind of the creation of this celebrity pastor culture? Is it, do we have some blood on our hands here? Yeah, I think we do. I mean, I, 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 you know, we just got to be careful. I mean, I, we love gifted men. We got to celebrate. The scripture says that your rooms, your gift will make room for you. And so um, it's okay that you're a gifted person, but I think what happens is that sometimes we do want to, um, you know, it's, it's been well said, we, we love to lift men up. And then once they're up, we love to see them fall and then tear them down just because it makes us feel better about ourselves that, hey, no one can really do that. On the other hand, within Christendom, uh, there's no question this this phrase that we started at the beginning with this celebrity pastor phrase uh i think there's a, there's a bit of idolatry and dishealth that's there um you know one of the things that is happening right now we you know just i think anybody who listens to this who knows anything about watermark knows we've got campuses and um our campuses are there because we believe it's the best way for us to seed what we think one day will be probably an independent body you know, we're, we're trying to raise up uh, men who can lead, surrounded by a multiplicity of other male leaders on that campus, like, and, and you know, obviously women leaders, but in the role of pastoral elder, uh, you know, as the scripture says, it'll be led by uh, those men. So plurality of leadership that have a membership that's willing to trust them and follow them. Um, and then the means, obviously, to allow the mission to go forward. So, you know, we're about to start another campus in Frisco, Texas, because there's 600 people who live in Frisco, which is, you know, 20 miles away from the closest two other campuses that are already choosing to drive by a lot of churches to come here because they believe this is where their family can be shepherded, they can be equipped, their gifts can be deployed for the glory of Christ. They're already making that decision. And so what we're doing is we, we spent some time with them and we said, hey guys, we're going to help you get started with a, 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 a gathering in your area weekly where you can be reminded of the goodness of God and remember how to respond to him and invite your neighbors to drive with you five minutes and not 20, not for your convenience, but so that you might be more on mission in your area. And we're going to broadcast me into this, right? Or, or John, you or Adam, you, if you teach or JP, whoever teaches um, week to week. But one of the things that I, I thought to myself as we were doing this, and our goal, by the way, I mean, if anybody's listening, we're not really doing one of the satellites here, but is that eventually one day these communities would would be their own. We think it's a good way to start. All the statistics bear out on that, that satellite campuses that spin off into their own survive a whole lot more and thrive a lot more than guys who just show up in the city and say, we're going to start a church. And then uh, yeah. they don't often stick, but uh, another podcast for another day. But I, I, I thought about 20 years ago when this started, like, why don't we just do this? Why don't we just, you know, um, get the best communicator in the country, get the best message and stream him to movie theaters around the country and churches gather underneath local shepherds. And I think there's some good reasons not to do that. Um, I do believe in uh, the value of local contextualization, preachers who understand what's going on with that community and that day. You know, sometimes people ask us, man, why don't you talk about what happened in Puerto Rico this weekend? Or I can't believe you didn't talk about the shooting in Orlando, right? And again, as we talked about at the beginning with the proliferation of news and all that's out there, every week there's a tragedy that happens somewhere that you 
think, what do I do to address it? Address it because everybody grieved over it on the internet. Um, you know, I think it's not the job of a pastor to be talking about every little cultural thing that happens somewhere, but you certainly better do it if you live in Orlando, right? Just like we did when there was the shooting of the Dallas Five. We addressed that that Sunday and spent some time on our knees considering how to respond. But um, in addition to that, it's not healthy that there is a small handful of gentlemen that are that are perceived to be the voice of God, the men that can rightly divide the word of truth. Because A, in a day of increasing persecution, which could easily happen in our country, if you only got three or four voices the world is used to listening to, it's easy to take out three or four guys and imprison them. The church's like, what do we do now? Our leader is gone. Yeah. When you can never put Christ in prison, right? And so um, I think it's healthy to have, hey, go arrest hopefully 30,000 faithful pastors across the country and not just the three guys that can bring the best message and speak with the most uh, application, illustrative, uh, rightly dividing of the word of truth. Um, and I, I think that it's better for um, a local guy to be the primary teacher. And so somebody might go, well, hey, you're not doing that right now, Watermark. And I would say right now we're not. That's a little different context locally with our different campuses, but we're looking to get there. And um, and I don't think it's always healthy just to say, hey, these are the guys. I think we can all learn from each other, but... Um, we're supposed to appoint elders in every city as quickly as possible. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And I think it keeps us away from that that potential problem that could happen with a celebrity pastor who's the, kind of the voice. Also, if he starts teaching crazy stuff, I, I, you know, I don't know if you guys saw Bono, who is kind of the captain of social justice, right? And the hero of all Christians everywhere. He's kind of a cool with it social justice Christian. Just this week, you two comes out and um, wants to, you know, have people to vote to overturn the constitutional um requirement in Ireland to protect life in the womb. So all of a sudden, our Mr. Social Justice Pastor, that we're so glad Bono represents Christ and his care and concern for the poor and the sick, is all of a sudden not caring for those in the womb. And so all those that follow him as their king are going to have to stand up now against their pastor, if you will, uh, because he's tripped up. It would be way too easy. That's one of the problems with uh, popes when they speak ex cathedra from the throne of the church. Uh you know, I, I think let's not have one man, let's have men and let's have their words tested and study the scriptures to see if those things are so. Yeah. And one of the things I've appreciated about the process of leadership development around here, specifically as I think it does relate to this topic, is uh, we are always looking for and trying to develop leaders, not necessarily communicators. And I, and I think that order, I think, I think we've got that, yeah. we're on to something there with that order. I think it's a helpful order. People who can lead well first mm. An aspect of their leadership is the ability to communicate in one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many settings, where sometimes that can get flipped with a person who is really excellent at that specific skill of one-to-many or one-to-few communication gets all of this leadership responsibility, and they're not ready for it. They're, they're not equipped in, uh, in that area, which can just lead to a pretty unstable environment. Let me just say, if our podcast doesn't have one of those little back arrows, you can go back and listen to 15 seconds, hit that and go back to listen to what Adam <laughs> just said. All right. Because I think that's exactly right. Sometimes we have guys that uh, are good teachers who don't lead very effectively. And I believe that we should preach the word. We should give public attention, as Paul said, uh, to the public reading of scripture. You want to make sure that to be an elder, as Paul says, you are able to teach. That doesn't mean you're the best one-to-many communicator. Every leader has got to be able to teach God's word correctly and represent it. doesn't mean every leader is the best pulpit communicator. And if you've got a pulpit communicator who is not a good leader, it's not going to be long 
before he's not teaching and preaching the things that he needs to teach and preach, which is the primary way to shepherd and guide and strengthen the hearts of people. So I could not agree more with you when you say that leaders, churches ought to be led by leaders and taught by teachers. And I would not force the two together if, uh, if they're not present in the both guys. And I, I, I would, you know, in the same guy. And I think, listen, if you're going to have, you want to have a, a guy who accurately handles the word of truth, if he's leading people, but uh, you better make sure that a guy's, I think, gets dripped towards, towards leadership, you know, even more than what you think, uh, or at least your seminary prof would grade out as a really good prof, would grade out as a really good teacher, you know, uh, because great teachers are going to lead and good leaders have got to be able to teach the word of God and model it with their life. Let's take just a turn just to you personally, Todd, in, you know, some guys are driving around right now and they're dialed into everything you said. Uh, um, they love to ask you, Hey, what do you do to lead yourself? Like how, how do you keep from being the next statistic? What, what goes in your, on in your own head and heart? Well, um, I, I pray these things are true. First of all, um, I want to be in God's word every day. I want his word to teach me, reprove me, correct me and train me in righteousness. So, um, not just reading God's word, for preparation for a message, but uh, to prep my heart and remind myself that the heart is desperately sick and deceitful above all else. Um, And then to carry it throughout the day. You know, I want to be a guy that uh, meditates on the word of God day and night. So uh, that that meditation on the word, I, I cannot emphasize enough, especially if you're listening to this and because it's a podcast, probably younger guys and older guys are going to be listening to this. When you are young, you cannot spend too much time learning and memorizing and meditating on God's word. You just can't. It's impossible. Billy Graham at the end of his life, when he was asked if he has any regrets, he says, I wish I would have prepared more. I wish to spend more time in God's word. And I don't think he meant so he could preach a message at Wimberley Stadium. I think it was so he could be the man that he needs to be. So um, I am still benefiting from the saturation of the word of God when I was young, but I'm eating every day. Okay. And, and so, uh, and then I'm not eating alone. Uh, I have men that eat with me <laughs> and uh, that then comment about my table manners. Just to beat this <laughs> illustration to death. It works. So I'm there. Going. I okay. can't wait for the Can next like bullet it. point. Yeah, well, these guys, you know, it's not just I'm eating good food. It's that these guys are telling me to wipe my mouth or to wash my mouth, not to chew with my mouth full. In other words, to apply the scripture that I'm reading. And uh, I have people, my, I have family. I have folks that are close to me that make sure that my etiquette is as it should be. And that we're just not a bunch of pigs at a trough, even the right thing, walking away fatter, but that we are men who walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. So um, I, I live with the the mindset of David, where he says, let the righteous smite me in kindness. It is his oil upon my head. Do not let me refuse it. And, and those, and those, just for those who don't have context, that's that is your family, but that's also the I, elders. Well, yeah. yeah, the community, especially. I would say it is my family, but especially the family of men that are closest to me, my community of of brothers. You know, guys I work with closely, like you men, uh, the elders that lead with me. And um, I mean, I just I, I I beg them, and better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. So I have people that are that I'm close enough to that. I can confess things that I'm struggling with and they won't be surprised. I haven't built up a celebrity status with them. Like, oh, Todd's this perfect guy that I only learned from. No, they know Todd is a struggling pilgrim that needs encouragement, admonishment, and help. And so uh, I, I'm going to sometimes tell him, this is where I'm limping. This is my Achilles heel. This is where the enemy's shooting at me. This is the path I'm veering off of. 
and I need you to, whoa, hold me back. And guys that I trust that I can share that with. Um, so those, those are the, the two primary things yeah. that I and, would say. And I, those that are new to the podcast listening, I would encourage you to go back. Episode one, great episode mm-hmm. with Todd talking about a leader's inner circle. It'd be great to go check out that. We'll add a link to that in the show notes. And then uh, the two episodes that we did with the elders mm-hmm. uh, just a, a couple of months ago, I think were really helpful where you guys talked a lot about that as well. No, I would just tell you that, that, that guys is, you cannot, I mean, I, I, you know, listen to that podcast, but guys, you cannot stand alone. I mean, the Navy SEALs, the greatest warriors alive today have a little motto and it's that, uh, one is none and two is one. Okay. Jesus, when he sent his men out, he didn't send them alone. Uh, I love to ask people sometimes, Hey, who wrote first Corinthians? And everybody goes, Paul, I could go read it right? It says Paul, Silas, and Titus, or Paul, Silas, and Timothy, you know, wrote these letters. Paul was with men. And, um, and so you know, he wrote an intimate letter and personal letter to Timothy and to Titus and those different things. But when he was writing a church, he went and was with others. And I would just tell you, you don't want to uh, be alone. I mean, Proverbs 18.1 says, uh, he who separates himself Seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Uh, just look at the animal kingdom. Watch a little National Geographic channel, right? The, 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 <laughs> the lions always eat the wildebeest that, that, that straggles off by himself. That's the one that gets chewed up. Yep. So I would run in a herd, and uh, God created you to be a herd animal. And uh, I would make sure that you have the safety of the crowd. That's a message you know, that I think God's given you that uh, I've seen resonate with church leaders. And so I can, I just encourage you to keep screaming that from them, uh, from the mountaintops. Cause I, I do think that's one of the reasons why you have not uh, become a casualty and a statistic yet. So let's close with this one. We, we actually kind of ended up with two topics. We ended up with the, uh, uh, the whole like falling and how to keep, uh, that from happening. And then we also talked about celebrity pastors and I, I just, I meet a lot of guys who are discouraged. And at the end of the day, it's not, they're not a discouraged discouraged because they haven't been faithful. They're discouraged because they haven't seen success because their Twitter followers uh, aren't increasing or their numbers or their notoriety, or they don't have a book deal. Like at the end of the day, if they're honest, that's, that's the kind of thing. And, uh, and you, you shared a story at CLC um, a couple years ago. I, I'd love for you to just to, to close us out uh, just at this like defining moment in your own life that you weren't going to do it. Uh, you weren't going to do ministry for the applause of men. You're just going to do it to be faithful. Do you mind sharing that one? Just being, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do uh, think that one of the reasons I see a lot of guys get burned out in ministry is because they got into ministry for the wrong reasons. They thought highly of somebody. And um, they wanted other people to think more highly of them. And, um, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people get into counseling because they want to fix their own problems. And I think a lot of people get into ministry because they want to uh, be spoken of the way they speak about their favorite pastor. And that is a trap. All right. And those who long for it have pierced themselves with many a pang. I've seen some guys with incredibly fruitful ministries. Okay. That have gotten discouraged because they've been in it for three or four years, if you can believe it, and Christianity Today has not put them on the cover. And so all I would tell you is that, you know, I've been at this thing now for 30, 30 years and Christianity Today hasn't even called me. And- uh, They said the wrong number, they, I'm sure. 
I'm it's sure. Cute. And so, CT, if you're if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, it's CLP at watermark.org. Just send us an email so we can have this conversation. But I mean, I, you know, just just that's not you know, if you you got to just check your heart on that continually. And um, I I really you know one of the things I mean I like most of us all well, all the guys around this table, you know, we're all competitors. We all played sports and we like to fight. We like to win. And so. You know, Jesus um, has has put inside of us a bit of a competitive nature. That's fine. Uh, but when you get in this thing and that comparison game, it, it's a trap. You'll never, you know, if you live the applause of men, you'll just never get enough of it. And I think that I see lots of guys who just want others to notice it. And I, because I knew that was true of me, I purposed, I just said, God, I don't want to do anything that will cause me to look back and see the stairs that I built to my throne. I just want to be faithful, okay? Because here's the thing. If you build steps to your throne, you've got to fight to keep it. And if you just seek to be faithful and 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 make faithfulness your definition of success and believe that Hebrews 6.10 is true, which says that God is not so unkind as to forget the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered to and still ministering to the saints and realize that your applause may not come here and that'll be better that you don't get applause here because it's all being stored up for you in heaven, right? Um, then, and you really believe that and you live that life of faith, you're gonna have a whole lot more joy. And if God does put you up in a platform, then you'll know you don't have to fight to keep it because you didn't put yourself there. You get to continue to be consumed with one thing, which is faithfulness. I think this is the reason we have so many celebrity pastors that fail is they get up there and now that they're there, they love it. They go, what do I gotta keep saying so a lot of people like what I'm saying? Which I would say you should never have been driven to speak and lead and shepherd based on what you think people will like that you're doing. You should do it in a way that Jesus will be thankful that you're the shepherd of his sheep. And um, and so, I mean, I did, John. I mean, I tried as best I could to just say, Lord, let me, you know, let me practice the spirit of serving where I can't be watched as much as possible. And uh, let me never uh, long for another man's platform. And you know, I, I, there's a story that, you know, um, you guys know, I, I can remember, uh, I was working at a place, you know, one time when I was on, on leadership at a night off and I came back and, um, and you know, one of the jobs that needed to be done in this particular place was, uh, you know, we had flaps, it was a summer camp. So there's flaps, like little, almost like vinyl flaps that we'd let down and take up, uh, to let air circulate through this gymnasium that had mats in it. And, um, you know, we let them down most every night because this area was prone to um, kind of pop up storms and things like that. And especially if they weren't down and the rain came, you know, you knew you had to go and, and, and put those flaps down right away. Well, I was on a night off and I got back and it just started to pour. And the entire camp was gathered in another building like this a couple of hundred yards away. And I just sat there and I watched the rain start to come and fill up this room a little bit. And it made me frustrated that nobody was coming to take care of that. And so, you know, I went in there and ran in and I put the flaps down. And now I had a decision to make because it had rained a bunch in there and these mats had a pretty good coat of water on them. And so I could have easily gone and um, and gotten some guys to go, hey man, look, clean up your mess, do your job. But you know, at that moment, the spirit said, hey, look, Todd, you're here. They're over there with the kids, so they didn't do it. We can have that conversation tomorrow. Why don't you go get a mop and a bucket and you start to mop this sucker. And so I did, and I'm starting to mop this room and everything was fine. But you know what happens when you get, it gets hot, it just rained for a little bit. It was like, like I said, one of those sudden bursts. Now it had gone, it's very humid. It's especially humid inside this room now with the flaps down. I'm in there mopping and I shouldn't be and I'm sweating. And then I hear that other room let out. 
okay? And folks start to come towards me, and I'm thinking, hey, they're never going to know that the flaps weren't down, right? And not only that, they're not going to know how godly I am. <laughs> then on my night off, I come back and I cleaned up somebody else's mess. And so, because it was so hot, Adam, I'm sure it was because it was so hot. Absolutely. I decided I need to take a few flaps up, which coincidentally, if people happen to then see me in there on my night off, mopping up a mess I didn't make, yeah. surely that's that's when Christianity Today would have called her. They probably would have just <laughs> renamed the entire camp after me and put a brown sculpture up front. And I remember I was putting those flaps up to cool myself off, quote unquote, and uh, and it was like the Lord just literally was not audible, but he just pierced my heart um, a little bit by just saying, hey, Todd, uh, why are you putting those flaps up? Are you hot or are you mad that no one sees you serving me? And uh, and kind of the little phrase that he spoke to my heart that I've used a lot since then is that, hey, I want to be a man that that mops God's floors with the flaps down. And um, and believe that uh, that's that I'm, I'm living for an audience of one. That's really hard to do, but it's served me well over the years. Um, I see guys sometimes. I think race flaps on purpose to be noticed. I see them get noticed. I see men that I I'll just be real vulnerable. I see guys I think sometimes that have been less faithful than me get more attention than me. And God just says, "Hey, just uh, just don't you worry about that." You just keep serving me, and and you don't know if they're more faithful than you or not. But but I'll just tell you this: you just keep being faithful. And so for me, I need I need to do things intentionally with the flaps down. Love it, well, brother. That story I can't tell you how many times, Todd. I've I've come back uh, to that just in my own life, and I've gone, John, just leave the flaps down and be faithful. God sees you don't. A couple hours ago, somebody on my team used used it. How about that? And, uh, and so it was amazing. So Todd, this is a great episode. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We love having you here in the studio with us. If you guys have any questions or comments about today's episode, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org and be sure to check out the show notes where we'll have a summary of this conversation and links to other helpful resources. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again next time.